Before we get going with our look back at the iconic 1987 Final Four, I want to take a look back at New Orleans Final Four history. Thank you to the Chucker for his spot-on research. When the Final Four comes to New Orleans, the Big Easy delivers. The Final Four returned to New Orleans in 2022, and it was the sixth time the Big Easy played host to college basketball's season-concluding drama. In the Final Four's six previous visits to New Orleans, the college game didn't disappoint, delivering some of the most memorable moments in March Madness history. In 1982, when the Final Four came marching into New Orleans, the North Carolina fans in the record crowd of 61,000 cheered when Michael Jordan's basket lifted the Tar Heels to the NCAA championship. Five years later, the Final Four returned to the Superdome and produced a new NCAA record crowd and new heroics. Halftime, 36 to 26. Hello once again, everyone. I'm Jim Nance. You know, in 1982, the Superdome was the site for one of the most memorable championship games ever played. Dean Smith of North Carolina won the national title that night, and his good friend John Thompson of Georgetown was the runner-up. I'm honored to have them both here joining me at halftime. And Coach Smith, first of all, I'd like to know, this is your first time back in the Superdome since that night in 1982. What magical memories come back for you here? Well, number one, I have a better seat five years ago than I do now, but I think it was a great basketball game, and I think I felt sorry for Georgetown because they were just, uh, might have been the best team that night and one of the best teams in the country, and both teams played very well. Coach Thompson, you've been to the Final Four three times here in the 80s, but in 1982, that was your first visit, much like Rick Pitino and Jimmy Behan today. What does a coach learn in his first experience at a Final Four? No, I, I think that I don't know if uh, there's any particular thing that you learn as much as the fact that you realize that this is the TikTok. This is it. And I think you work for it every year and you get here and it's just like being in the circus for the first time when you're a kid. You're extremely excited about it. You have to sort of calm down. So. 1982. The participants were Georgetown, Houston, Louisville, and North Carolina. The biggest question was, could Georgetown, a program on the rise under head coach John Thompson, legitimize the fledgling Big East Conference and capture the crown behind dominant freshman center Patrick Ewing? In the semifinals, North Carolina defeated Houston 68-63, and Georgetown defeated Louisville 50-46. In the final, North Carolina won 63-62 over Georgetown. The most outstanding player was James Worthy. Over two games in New Orleans, the Tar Heels junior forward shot 20 of 27 from the field and scored 42 points, propelling North Carolina to the title. Oh yeah, there was that enduring image of a svelte North Carolina freshman named Mike Jordan hitting a 16-foot jumper from the left baseline with 16 seconds left to give North Carolina its second title in program history. was confident Michael Jordan was going to show everybody that he was the best. And that was the biggest moment in Michael's career. He'll tell you that right now too, that we're gonna win this game right now. And all of a sudden, the looks on everybody's face changed dramatically. I mean, dramatically. And I thought, oh God, we're in good shape again. It's, all of a sudden, I was back to where I was. And sure enough, we run lineup. They weren't pressing us. We'd get in the two game. We looked for the lob, it wasn't there. They did cover it. We got penetration. and threw it on the backside to Michael, and Michael made the jump shot. And I remember as we were leaving the huddle, I was standing right beside Coach Smith, and he patted Michael on the back, and he said, 
If you get it, knock it in, Michael. That shot also launched the legend of Michael Jordan, the GOAT. Measure of success and greatness in basketball, University of North Carolina, is not the awards and trophies. It's having a sandwich named after you. Let me give you an example. There is the sandwich named after Sam Perkins. There is the Big McAdoo named after Bob McAdoo. Dean Smith has his Smithsonian. The Larry Miller filler. And yes, there is now the Jordan sandwich. Let's discuss why it was almost a tongue sandwich. A final four fun fact. After nearly 40 years of awarding losers of the national semifinal game, a shot at redemption in the third place game, the 1982 tournament was the first to ditch the consolation game. A one-point lead for Georgetown. No, they stay in the 1-3-1 with Ewing in the middle. They've got to look to get it in there. You can't with a shot blocker like Ewing take so much time. Gordy the Black. The time, 18. Shot, Jordan! Michael Jordan! 14 seconds! Look for, look for Sleepy Floyd. Look. Oh, he threw it to the wrong man. He threw it to Worthy. It's over. It's over. He's fouled by Eric Smith. Fred Brown somehow or another threw the ball into the hands of James Worthy. Look at Dean Smith. Totally in control. Everybody going crazy. We're going to skip 1987 for the moment. 1993. The participants, Kansas, Kentucky, Michigan, and North Carolina. The biggest question was, could Michigan's Fab Five, one year after falling to Duke in the NCAA title game, as an all-freshman starting five, claim redemption and turn the ever-questioned hype into unquestioned hardwood history? In the semifinal, North Carolina won 78-68 over Kansas and Michigan 81-78 over Kentucky. In the final, North Carolina won 77-71 over Michigan. The most outstanding player, Donald Williams, North Carolina sophomore guard, dropped 25 in both of the Tar Heels' wins, going 15 for 23 from the field over two games. The enduring image after North Carolina's Pat Sullivan missed a free throw with 20 seconds remaining and the Tar Heels up two. Michigan star Chris Weber corralled the rebound. After an obvious travel missed by the refs, Weber rushed down court along the right sideline and directly in front of Michigan bench. Weber called for a timeout Michigan didn't have. The resulting technical foul sent Williams to the line where he iced the game for North Carolina. A two to tie. Michigan will have to bring it. Oh, he walked. He walked and the referee missed it. Weber brings it into the front court. They have no timeouts remaining. Oh, he causes too many timeouts. That's a technical foul. He called a timeout. Michigan doesn't have any. He got by with a walk, and Jimmy calls a a timeout. He doesn't realize that's Michigan's too many. And so it'll be a technical foul. North Carolina shooting and the ball. A huge mental mistake. Steve Fisher calls away from a second national championship. The Fab Five comes up short again. There you have it. North Carolina is the 1993 national champion. Uh, was anyone telling you to call the timeout, or did you hear the you know call a timeout at that point? It, it seemed like you looked a little confused when you looked at the guys on the bench. I don't remember. I don't remember. 
Chris, not to belabor the point, but what was going through your mind when it happened? There's 20 seconds left and I uh, started dribbling the ball. Went down by two. We get it on our side of the court. I picked up my dribble. Called the timeout. That was, whatever I did, that's what was going through my head. And it probably cost our team the game. A Final Four fun fact. The 1993 Final Four nearly made history as the first to feature four number one seeds. While Michigan, Kentucky, and North Carolina all advanced as top seeds, Kansas, a number two seed, downed number one Indiana in the Midwest Regional Finals to prevent a history-making Final Four. The participants, Kansas, Marquette, Syracuse, and Texas. The biggest question, could Syracuse head coach Jim Beheim in a second trip to a New Orleans-based Final Four finally win the big one and bring a national title back to his alma mater? In the semifinals, Syracuse won 95-84 over Texas and Kansas defeated Marquette 94-61. In the final, Syracuse beat Kansas 81-78. The most outstanding player was Carmelo Anthony. The Syracuse freshman followed an efficient 33.14 rebound outing against Texas with a 20.10 rebound title game performance. The enduring image. With Syracuse clinging to a three-point lead in the closing seconds, Syracuse big man Hakeem Wark sprinted from the lane to the left corner, soared into the air, and blocked a potential game-tying three by Michael Lee. Kansas has a shot. Miles to the right side, Heinrich to the top of the key. Heinrich with four seconds, gives it up corner. Lee shot blocked. They have less than a second to go. It's not how tall, it's how long, and Warwick got a piece of that. Warwick's effort remains among the most iconic defensive plays in NCAA tournament history. A final four fun fact. En route to its national title, Syracuse slayed one-third of the Big 12. The Orange recorded victories over Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Texas, and Kansas. Two thousand twelve. The participants: Kansas, Kentucky, Louisville, and Ohio State. The biggest question: After years of bringing in top prospects and emerging as the king of the one-and-done era, could Kentucky coach John Calipari finally bring the Wildcats back to the college mountaintop? The semifinals, Kentucky 69-61 over Louisville and Kansas 64-62 over Ohio State. In the final, Kentucky defeated Kansas 67-59. The most outstanding player was Anthony Davis. Kentucky's freshman sensation stuffed the stat sheet over Kentucky's two games in New Orleans with 24 points, 30 rebounds, 7 assists, and 11 blocks in bringing Big Blue Nation its first title in 14 years. Enduring image. Take your pick of blocked or altered shots by Anthony Davis. The lithe Chicago bred big man dominated the game from the paint and never allowed Kansas to get on track as he disrupted any shot in his vicinity. Many regard it as the most dominating defensive performance in title game history. Anthony Davis and great recommend offs try to get them into the paint but that's the problem you got the best shot blocker in the country waiting for you 
his team at halftime about get the energy going. Johnson three, short, into the arms of Davis. And a superior team all season long was the superior team tonight. And the Kentucky coronation is complete. Champions 2012. A final four fun fact. Davis won most outstanding player honors despite only making one of his 10 shots in the championship game. That should tell you just how dominant the brow was on the defensive end. We'll be short with 2022. The Jayhawks captured their fourth title in their 10th title game, their 16th final four. The most memorable performance was the North Carolina Tar Heels taking out the Duke Blue Devils in what was Coach K's final college basketball game. And finally, 1987. The participants, Indiana, Providence, Syracuse, and UNLV. Bob Knight, Rick Bettino, Jim Beheim, and Jerry Tarkanian. The biggest question, could any of the three upstart programs in New Orleans, Providence, Syracuse, or UNLV take down mighty Indiana and Bob Knight? In the semifinals, Indiana won 97-93 over UNLV and Syracuse 77-63 over Providence. In the final, Indiana won 74-73 over Syracuse. The most outstanding player was Keith Smart. Though the Hoosiers sharpshooter Steve Alfred led Indiana in scoring in the Final Four, Smart came up clutch in the title game against Syracuse with a 21-point performance that included the game-winning jumper and game-sealing steal. The enduring image. Ah yes, Smart's jumper from the right wing with five seconds remaining put the Hoosiers ahead by one. Moments later, Smart intercepted the resulting inbounds pass from Syracuse and heaved the ball toward the ceiling in celebration. A Final Four fun fact. 1987 was the first Final Four to feature the three-point shot. Though Indiana, with all of its shooters, used it sparingly en route to the title game. In New Orleans, the Hoosiers attempted only 15 shots from behind the arc over two games. By contrast, Baylor launched 47 three-point attempts during its two games in the 2021 Final Four. What made us pick 1987 as the place to start with iconic seasons is the coaches. College basketball, of course, has had its share of legendary players, but because their stints at the schools tend to be so short and these days, oftentimes even shorter, the coaches were the mainstays. And 1987 featured this mixture of old and new coaches and coaches that had been around bringing new programs to the forefront. And it was just an example of how these personalities could capture the interest of the country. I also love this, you know, the Superdome as the site for this Final Four. And the seating is absolutely terrible. If you watch the broadcast from the Final Four, you'll see these $17 seats are uh, a, a mile away. They have the court in the middle of the Superdome, so the sides are just an incredible distance. Even the good seats 
are set back such a length. Uh, one of the iconic images is Jerry Tarkanian running what seems to be a football field's length to get to the court because he had forgotten about how long the halftime was and Bob Knight was out there hustling the refs to get the second half started if they were there or not. It's also memorable because it starts for the Hoosiers who are the eventual champions years before. There is a documentary called The Big Trip that outlines how this team came together over the course of several years. And as players in this era got to develop with their coach, with one another, there is synchronicity that you can watch on the court where these guys know each other in a way that few college teams do anymore. You know, they had the chance to build through adversity. They were the first team in Bob Knight's tenure that hadn't won a Big Ten title. They had been an underperforming group for the most part, even finishing below 500 one year in the Big Ten. They take this trip in 85-86 and then build on it the next year, but get upset in the first round. And we'll talk about that game as well, losing that first round game Cleveland State and the ferocity that they play with in these final four games after overcoming that adversity and setting themselves up for this run in the tournament was really incredible. And they were just able to play so many different styles. You know, the the running Rebels come in with this uh, trademark style where they uh, you know press and push the pace, and Indiana just matched it. They didn't didn't shy away from it or try to you know hold the ball they outscored them they beat them at their own game and i think maybe that kind of frustrated unlv because they didn't seem to speed up indiana but indiana was able to play fast so that's such a strange contrast where a team is able to score but not in a hurried way they just executed their way to that win and then of course in the final uh just an incredible performance and an incredible ending you know it could have gone either way but it's one of those moments that you work for through the through the year to have the opportunity to make a play to to get that win we're really excited to start this journey with you and we're going to start with a trip talking about indiana and their trip overseas 37 days they spent together and is the Batman origin story of this Hoosiers squad. And then we'll take a look at the inflection point where they lose this first round game and setting up this this season, this iconic season and this run to the final four. And then we're gonna get into our interviews with the players from the teams. We'll talk about the coaches and the stories of each team's season and finish up with recaps of all the games. We're so excited to start this journey and hope that you follow along with us. 1987 Iconic Seasons.